The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. International Fraud Week is this week, November 16th to 22nd. Fraud is not something that small businesses really think a lot about until it happens to them. And today we have Kenny Hitt, who is the Senior Vice President of Consumer Banking at Enterprise Bank, to talk with us about fraud and some of the things that you can do to help prevent it, some of the ways that fraud can hit you that maybe you haven't thought about, and just what fraud can really do to you, some of the statistics and so forth. So we're very happy to have you here today, Kenny. Thank you. Now, Enterprise Bank is your bank, and they're very involved in these types of issues. Tell us a little bit about the bank. And Sure. Enterprise Bank was founded in 1988 by a group of uh, business entrepreneurs, actually, that saw a need for a bank that focused on business, privately held businesses, mm-hmm. their owners, and their families. Um and so the bank was founded uh, for that purpose and uh, was built around uh, privately held businesses and helping those folks and their businesses succeed. In 2000, we came to Kansas City through an acquisition, and so we now have eight locations here in Kansas City mm-hmm. and um, just over a half a billion dollars in assets in Kansas City. Um, we operate in, in um, Arizona as well in the Phoenix market, right. um, St. Louis, and Kansas City. Um, so what we really focus on being a business, primarily a business bank, and you know, while my title is consumer banking, business banking kind of falls into that uh, realm uh, for small businesses. And um, we do uh, focus on uh, ways that we can help small businesses manage their cash mm-hmm. flow, protect their cash. And um, uh, fraud awareness is a big component, yes. I guess, of that. And um, there are ways that we can help. And so what we wanted to do is talk about um, just fraud in general and um, and how a business owner can help prevent that mm-hmm. and maybe use their bank to help them prevent it. Right. What are some of the ways that businesses are affected by fraud? I mean, what, what are some of the ramifications of it, for example? So the International Fraud Awareness Week from the 16th to the 22nd was actually established by the um, Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. Mm -hmm. And um, they established this week to bring uh, fraud awareness kind of to the forefront for small business owners because it is a growing problem. Yes. Um, And um, it's amazing how how easy that a business can... um, become a victim of fraud. Well, technology makes so many things easier, including fraud. (laughs) Yeah, your information technology systems, I mean, that's the gateway to your business, and it's very important that you have that secure. And it's amazing that what what, most business owners focus on 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 what they're selling, right, on on their passion, on their business. And so um, committing sufficient resources to your information technology infrastructure is very important. Some statistics for the uh, ACFE, the Association of Certified um, Fraud Examiners, 
show that um, annually businesses um, lose about 5% of their revenue to fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that may be fraud within the bank or fraud within the business, but it's 5% of revenue. The average fraud loss um, is $145,000. And um, a fifth of the cases involve fraud um, escalating beyond a million dollars. Good grief. And so it's it's a big problem. Yeah. So, it's, so it does have a big impact. This isn't just a, a, a few credit cards maybe that had a few hundred dollars racked up on it. We're talking big money that mm-hmm. businesses, especially small businesses, lose to this. It is. And it can happen um, just not just externally with cards and so forth, mm-hmm. but also internally within the business. The average length of a fraud is 18 months. And the more a business owner can do to identify uh, red flags and, 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 and have a process to identify fraud, they, they can shorten that time, mm-hmm. time frame. And if the average is $145,000, if you can find it sooner and get it to fourteen, you're still going to be upset, but at least you got it before it got to a, you know out of hand. Absolutely. And you mentioned uh, being able to detect uh, before that 18 months. What are some of the key characteristics of of the perhaps the people who create or yeah who perpetrate the fraud? What what are some of the things that you should um, be aware of? Okay, so there's a report to the Nations on Occupational Fraud and Abuse. And um, that study showed that the people committing fraud in general um, are between the ages of 31 and 45, and, and most have never been convicted of a fraud or any other kind of white-collar crime mm-hmm. like that. There are some, some red flags. Um, most commonly, you'll find um, employees who may be living beyond their means. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, 36% of cases or experiencing financial difficulties. Those can go hand-in-hand. Hand. One that I've also seen um, that isn't in this study is um, employees who are experiencing some personal issue within their family. They may have a sick family member, sure. and, and, and th- there becomes this need to help the family member. And if, mm-hmm. if there's access to... Um, uh, you know, cash or, or other negotiable items mm-hmm. within a business, then, then a lot of times those can be at risk. And, and what you find is is in these cases, a lot of times it's good people that right. just get themselves in situations and, and where there's opportunity and that and that situation, when those meet, mm-hmm. then that's where you can have fraud. Yeah, so some sort of triggering personal event. And as you say, access combined with stress and an easy solution mm-hmm. being the, you know, embezzle the money or whatever it might be as a solution. So, okay, so those are some of the things to be on the lookout for. If you're a business owner, uh, watch out for uh, living beyond your means, experiencing financial difficulties. And uh, with that in mind, what are some of the tips that business owners can be aware of? What are some of the things that they can do in order to combat fraud? So probably the most important thing that a business owner can do is draw attention to their awareness of um, the potential for fraud in their business. And, and a key component there is establishing a code of ethics. Mm-hmm. We're doing that um, We every year at the bank. We have annually a review of our code of ethics, and we have the employees sign that they've read it and everything. But you really need to go beyond that. Um, and what we found is the more detail you can have in your code of ethics and then the further down into the organization you can get those meetings mm-hmm. um, to not just do it as one group for everybody, but to also break it out into the departments and really talk about um, what the code of ethics means and how seriously your company takes that um, is very important. Um, we've, a- we've added a question and answer to our code of ethics, like um, with with examples. So if I accept this from a vendor, is that really you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, 
ethical thing to do. Right. And, and so we put some some things in there to give some detail to what we're looking for in terms mm-hmm. of uh, the code of ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, your hiring procedures are very important. If you can, um, um, and I you know there's a cost to it, but background investigations, um, check your uh, education, uh, credit, employment history. Um, be thorough about that um, right. when you're hiring somebody. Yeah, d- try don't even let them in the door. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. the best way to prevent it is not, don't even let them into your business. So, yeah. Um, and and uh, how about training? Uh, helping other employees detect it, perhaps. So, so there are warning signs of fraud, right? And so, mm-hmm. what you want to do, and, it, and a lot of it's specific to your business. So, you know, within the bank and within the branch, we have cash and negotiable instruments. So, we have maybe different warning signs than a business owner might have. So really look at look at where you're, um, you have risk to your assets within the organization mm-hmm. and then identify, um, you know, red flags around that risk okay. and then communicate that to your employees so, mm-hmm. so that it's an intentional uh, exercise for the, you know, business owner or their senior management team. Right. So there's some eyes and ears out there helping you uh, along the way. And then uh, what, what if fraud is detected? Say one of these employees that's been trained does suspect something. Uh, how, how do they go about reporting it? Or Right. So a, a critical component there is to have a fraud hotline. And um, you know, we have one at the bank, um, uh, you know, like a whistleblower hotline. And, and so um, I think what initially what we had with ours was it was, um, you know, a number that was within the bank, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's anonymous. And the, the thing with employees is that is reporting these things. Sometimes they don't want to do that because they've, you know, concerned that maybe it's their boss or something and there could be some retribution. So you really have to, to separate that out and make sure that, that it's understood by the employees that that's uh, an anonymous um, mm-hmm. Tip right, and, right. That, and that there there isn't going to be that rep- retribution. And then, as a business owner, you need to make sure that that you know that that occurs in order to um, uh, get your employees to support you in identifying fraud where it may occur in your business. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've, you've put a lot of emphasis on awareness, and some of that too, I guess, would be um, making sure that employees understand that you mean business here. Yeah, there's no three strikes, you're out. You're here's the consequences of of detection. There's there's a, a lot of benefit to repetition in uh, mm-hmm. communication, and and not just in, in fraud, but just in business in general. If there's something that's important to you. Um, if you talk about it once and then you, you think, well, we covered that a couple of years ago. Everybody knows it's important. Um, when, when you get out past, you know, half a year or something like that, mm-hmm. folks just think that you're not worried about that anymore because you're on to other things. Right. So that needs to be, um, you know, cyclical. You need to have mm-hmm. a pattern to the message yeah. in order to, to keep the drumbeat so that people know that it's important. Sure. Why are businesses, particularly small businesses, so susceptible to fraud. You, a, lot, a lot of small businesses have this sense of family yeah. and, you know, nothing like that could ever happen here. I trust all of my staff. Yeah. I mean, but why Why do they you keep hearing these stories? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Well, one, the business owner a lot of times is focused on growing the business, right? And they're right. not focused internally on mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, with with the family piece and trust, you know, we get that a lot in the bank. And, and what we talk to our employees about is that it's not about trust. We trust you. Mm-hmm. But um, the key component there is get, taking opportunity away because 
you could have folks that you trust that have been great employees for years, and they may have one of these triggering events that yeah. caused them to take advantage of an opportunity. And you're really protecting your employees by removing that opportunity True. and having mm-hmm. policies in place that help that. We just want to make sure that, that there's some consistency there. The second thing is um, for your information technology. A lot of times the business owners, and because it is like a family, you know, mm-hmm. we may hire our cousin or somebody to come in and set up our IT systems right. and infrastructure. They have a certification um, we need to make sure that, that we're, we're hiring and, and understanding that that process is the gateway, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. to your organization, your accounting systems. And uh, protecting that gateway is very important. Yeah. Well, and protecting that gateway, but I also know, you know, there's some small businesses where uh, passwords aren't protected, that there's just a lot of, um, for lack of a better word, sloppiness that goes on about the the network might be installed Fine. I mm-hmm. mean, all the procedures were followed properly and the safeguards put in place. But then if people um, aren't careful with passwords or they're not changed often enough or, uh, you know, computers are left on when they shouldn't be, things like that. I mean, those are other vulnerabilities as well. They are. And that goes back to the training component because mm-hmm. one of the growing sources of fraud just within a company's accounts is uh uh, receipt of emails from unknown oh, sources that uh-huh. may have attachments. And True. Um, if your employees um, are using a work computer um, to access email and open an attachment that's coming from a source that they don't trust or know, then um, they, the act of opening that attachment could put some um, uh, virus into your mm-hmm. system that would sit there and wait for you to enter account numbers and wait for you to do these things and transmit that data back. Um, so it's important that your your IT infrastructure is, is set up to, to identify when those things yeah. occur. Boy, it's too bad we have to worry about those kinds of things. It's, yeah, and it's, you know, there are people that spend, uh, you know, literally every minute of every day trying to figure out how to get oh, access yeah. to your cash. And um, so, that's that's what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And why it's, we're talking about it today and why it's such an important topic. We are going to take a break. When we get back, though, I want to talk about some of these common types of fraud. You just mentioned the opening the files that can sit there in the background, but there are other ways to do that as well. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We're talking with Kenny Hitt, the Senior Vice President of Consumer Banking at Enterprise Bank. We'll be right back. Profile America, Friday, November 21st. The first automatic toll collection station went into service this month in 1954. It was installed at the Union Toll Plaza on New Jersey's Garden State Parkway. Motorists dropped coins into a wire mesh hopper, triggering a green light that told them to go ahead. The idea soon caught on at toll roads around the country, reducing the number of booth attendants and propelling cars and trucks on their way. There are fewer than 3,000 miles of toll roads in the U.S. interstate system of some 47,000 miles. Other U.S. routes and state roads have tolls, but the total is still just a tiny fraction of the nearly 4 million miles of roads in the nation. Toll collections add about $13 billion annually to state and local government revenues. You can find more facts about America from the U.S. Census Bureau online at census.gov. It's the smartest party of the year. Thinking Bigger Business Media will turn a spotlight on some of the city's most innovative and forward-thinking entrepreneurs with its annual Smart Companies to Watch Party Thursday, December 4th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Downtown Marriott Hotel. Hors d'oeuvres, including a carving station, and drinks will be served. 
Sign up for this year's party today at IThinkBigger.com. That's Thinking Bigger Business Media's annual Smart Companies to Watch Party, December 4th. Register at IThinkBigger.com today. Your product outshines the competition, so why aren't you outselling them? You're meeting sales projections, but the bottom line just isn't what it should be. Technology is changing rapidly and impacting your ability to perform. Something needs to change, but you just can't put your finger on what. I'm Patrick Shore, your host at The Hut, where we tackle these and other issues. The Hut is a safe place where we can explore what it takes to not only stay in front of the competition, but make it irrelevant. So come on in, kick off your shoes, and join the conversation every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio Network. The Hut, your path to a stronger, thriving, profitable business. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We've been talking here this morning with Kenny Hitt, the Senior Vice President of Consumer Banking at Enterprise Bank, a very important subject, and that is fraud. We have International Fraud Awareness Week uh, this week, and in the midst of it, November 16th to 22nd. And Kenny has been talking with us about why small businesses are so vulnerable, what kind of an impact fraud can have on the average business, and how to recognize some of the fraudsters that might be in your midst. Now, when we went to break, Kenny, you were giving us the example of a a computer program that can reside in the background on your machine after you've opened up an attachment that was infected. There are other common types of fraud that can occur, too. Can you run through some of those with us, please? Sure. Um, there, I got five. I guess I'd like to to cover here real quick. Um, there's just basic check fraud, which could be counterfeit checks or altered checks, um, mm-hmm. forged maker checks, where um, it's very easy once uh, the fraudster has your uh, routing and account number information. Maybe even a, a check that you paid a vendor in the past. That check may get. Um, taken by somebody or a copy so that they see what your check stock looks like. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to recreate your check and then clear that through um, the bank account. And, and um, you know, without a daily review of those, of your um, transactions that are clearing your bank, you, mm-hmm. might, you may miss that, or at least a review of your statements. So it's very important okay. to do that. Yeah. But it's very easy. That's a very easy thing to have happen. ACH fraud is automatic clearinghouse, and that's when your account number, routing number, are converted to a, a um, an electronic format, mm-hmm. and then that clears through your, your bank as well. Um, and so you may have suppliers that you have given access to um, withdraw from your account for purchases, mm-hmm. and if that information gets from your supplier to a fraudster, then they may attempt the same transaction. Um, the vendor email I, I mentioned, but um, you may also have uh, – there's, there's – uh, I'm going to not get the term right, but um, for emails um, that come from vendors, mm-hmm. the fraudsters have a way of, 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 of taking over that vendor's email address ah. so that they may send you an uh, invoice or something that looks like it's coming from somebody you normally pay, and it really isn't. So watch for those that may be directing payment to a different bank other than where you normally where mm-hmm. you normally pay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something... Um, it's a, uh, we've really locked down um, things at, at the bank that we will accept from customers via email in terms of requests because of that problem. is yeah. It's growing so fast. 
Um, there's just debit card fraud and credit card fraud, and we've seen that in the news where we've had um, data breaches at large retail outlets yes. that could happen also with your suppliers, things like that, um, where the information is stored in their machines and that is, is because of vulnerabilities at that company, mm-hmm. your information gets stolen. Right. So look, not just at your own, but up and down the line, too, mm-hmm. as to where your vulnerabilities lie. Exactly. Um, online banking fraud, that is, again, where I was going with the um, uh, the attachment that you may download. It sits and looks for your account numbers and your, your PIN numbers. And uh, once that occurs, then the fraudster can... Um, you know, access your online banking account with mm-hmm. your password and so forth. Now, there are things most banks have in place um, to to help prevent that. You know, we look for where Such that as, yeah. where that um, uh, request is coming from, right? Mm-hmm. Your IP address and things like that. And so we we have some tools for that at the bank, but it's still a business owner's responsibility to make sure that. Um, that they're protecting the business as well. You know, debit cards are so popular these days, and even businesses are using them, not just the individuals. Are there special concerns with a debit card? I'm, and what I'm getting at is that I know that credit cards, you can only be responsible for a certain amount of purchases on it, but is the same true if they get a hold of your debit card? Are there any protections built in like that? Um, there are there are protections as long as you are notifying the bank um, of the fraudulent activity mm-hmm. uh, within a reasonable time period, and, and banks are held to this reasonable standard, and typically that's 60 days beyond the statement. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have some protection. Uh, the bank actually has some risk on that with uh, with debit card fraud. Um, you you can do some things though um, to help protect yourself, and, and a lot of banks will have a debit card uh, activity alerts. Okay. And so um, where if the card is used, then you would get a text message to say, hey, your card was used. And we do this on the consumer and in the business bank um, at Enterprise. And so you have that. Um, you can request that the bank block overseas transactions. A lot of times these transactions on your debit or credit card occur overseas. And um, you can block those transactions. If you are traveling, you notify the bank, and they would be able to turn that back mm-hmm. on for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, most banks have within their systems some analytics that look for odd purchases. And right. so that could get frustrating at times <laughs> when you're trying to buy something and you've done three online purchases, bought some airline tickets, and done something else. Th- those are like red flags that, that may cause a uh, transaction to be denied until you contact the bank or the bank can contact you to verify that's what you're doing. But again, all of that is put in place to help protect um, the fraud loss from getting to be too large. Exactly. Let's go back to training for just a few minutes. Uh, We talked about the fact that it needs to be frequent. It needs to be consistent. But what are the topics that should be covered during fraud training for employees? Yeah, so it really is specific to your business um, and where you have those vulnerabilities. So the first thing to do as a business owner is to examine where you might have those vulnerabilities and build your training around that. Um, uh, an important um, component, and, and it may seem obvious, is just explaining what is fraud, you know, and um, and that is, is best done in the context of your ethics policy and that training. Um, explaining how fraud can hurt the business um, in terms of lost resources, how it affects employees. It could mm-hmm. affect, you know, the ability for pay increases. It could affect a lot of things. Um and then specifically, how to identify fraud and then reinforce the fraud hotline that we talked about earlier and access. Uh, yeah. Well, and, you know, hurting hurting your employees, not just uh, the inability to perhaps give raises, but, you know, we've heard stories about 
businesses here, even locally, going bankrupt because of embezzlement or fraud of other forms. And so employees can lose their jobs when the business closes their doors. So uh, you talked about a few of the ways that you can partner with your bank to prevent fraud. You mentioned some of the different alerts that you can have set up and some of the different reviews, but what are some of the other ways that you might not think about that you could partner with your bank on this? So there are some some products that, that most banks offer that are available, and really what you should do is, is set an appointment with your banker to, to sit down and go through your business accounts and how they're set up and what, uh, what vulnerabilities you have. Um, there is some things, um, uh, positive pay, which is a file that you would upload to your bank um, that shows all the checks you wrote. And when checks mm-hmm. are clearing, mm-hmm. then if it doesn't meet that file, then match that file, then that check isn't paid. There's a, a product called ACH Debit Filter where you identify what suppliers are actually able to access your account for payment. And if uh, an, a request comes in through that system that has not matched the vendors that you put in there, then that's denied. And so those are some ways that you can help protect your bank. But the key is to really you know, have that meeting with your banker and, and mm-hmm. identify that. Um, the, the second thing that I see a lot is that business owners will have staff turnover, people yes. who were signers on accounts and right. that kind of thing. And, and they won't go back in and tell the bank, hey, you need to remove this person as a signer. So we've had occurrences where people are not longer employed, but they still have access and signing authority on accounts. And so and when, when someone leaves the organization, you have a, should have a checklist of everything that you need to make sure gets done mm-hmm. and removing um, access is, is uh, high on that list. Yeah, not, not just signing the checks, which is hugely important, but access to the online banking and all the other things mm-hmm. that you might uh, have given that person access to. I think one thing that I, I I don't know that I mentioned was that the the access to your online banking you know from uh, your place of business should be done through a dedicated terminal, uh-huh. not a terminal that where you're accessing email. Um, and and again, you know, there's an expense to that, but computers, you know, the prices have come way down right. relative to what you could lose. Um, with a fraud attempt, um, it, it's not really that much. And so mm-hmm. having a dedicated terminal that is only used for that access between you and your bank is a, is a critical component to protecting. Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's a great yourself. tip. Now, you have an event coming up here this week that will help businesses. Shred Day, I believe? Yeah, we do. Um, this Saturday from 9 to noon, November 22nd, um, at three of our locations, at our Overland Park location, 127th and Metcalf at our um, Olathe location at 444 East Santa Fe, and then Prescott Plaza in Kansas City, Kansas at 18th Street Expressway and I-70 in the Prescott Plaza Shopping Center. We have a location there. We'll have um, some uh, shred trucks set up at those three locations. We do uh, we do limit the number to eight boxes. We had eight someone boxes. a couple years ago come up with show up with a truckload, um, oh my a giant gosh. truckload of boxes, and we did it. But um, you know our shred. Uh, partner there wasn't all too happy about it. <laughs> but um, it's something that we do. We have it for consumer and, and small business and um, to, to just bring those boxes by and we'll throw them in the shred truck. You can watch it happen. And again, it's just all part of this fraud awareness mm-hmm. prevention uh, week. And so 
um, we just want to do our part, and, and it's something that uh, we get really good feedback on when we do. Yeah, so it. bring all of your, your check stubs and your old credit card mm-hmm. receipts and all of those documents that you just didn't want to throw in the trash or even, even in the recycling. So uh, good opportunity, Saturday, November 22nd at three Enterprise Bank and Trust locations. And if anybody wanted to talk to you some more, how would they get in touch with you? We have information on the Shred event and just Fraud Awareness Week at www.enterprisebank.com forward slash fraud awareness. And so you can go to that site right there and it has tips and and, um, everything that we're doing this week for fraud awareness. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Kenny. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at www.ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.